0: Welcome back to The Whole Person Podcast. I am your host, Evan Herman. And if you are a guy who is wanting to build a better life, well, then you've listened and stumbled upon the right podcast because in the show, we talk about how to live lives of significance in areas that matter most. And today, we're gonna be talking about what it means to develop one's character, to have integrity, but also the process of decision-making in very critical moments of your life and today i have a very special guest everybody hates him he gets booed frequently and everybody always thinks he's wrong and makes poor decisions his name is clay martin and he's a head white cap referee with the national football league clay welcome to the show how are you
1: Hey, good morning. Doing well now. I, 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 you know, I don't like to correct people, but normally it's just fifty percent of people—not quite everybody. Half the crowd is typically okay with my decision making, but uh, sometimes it can skew to everybody.
0: Well, I just figure you're you're probably pissing off everybody at one point in time throughout the game.
1: <laughs> Not intentionally, I can promise you, but I'm sure emotions run high.
0: Oh, I bet, I bet. Well, you know. Let's just jump right into it. You have a job that is very public, that has a lot of criticism. And my question to you is regarding your own character and identity. Because for those of us who might struggle with our own character or identity and want to be a people pleaser, you're in a position where regardless of your call, you're going to upset, you know, at least 40,000 people. (laughs) That's fair. So how do you you measure that? Like, how do you go through with that?
1: It's hard, right? Because I too, my mother would always tell me growing up that I was a pleaser, you know, just, just uh, was afraid to let people down. And uh, when you get into officiating, I think you training and and through good mentors and and frankly probably through some some decisions you wish you had back you learn that you know it's not about pleasing the people it's about pleasing uh, the crew that you're with you know you're are you serving the crew in the right way Um, are you serving the coaches and the players the right way you know our job is to manage a football game it's it's not to throw flags sometimes we have to but it's to manage a football game it's to communicate effectively and appropriately it's to treat people professionally Um, and so I I I try to evaluate myself on that side of things using those questions now there's obviously balls and strikes involved and and I've got to make judgments and and uh, through training and preparation you hope that you're accurate in those but on the people side it's and I'm here to serve the game and, and serve these these coaches and these players. And I've got to do it in a very professional way. And so I feel like if I handle it professionally and with a servant's heart, they may not always be pleased with what's communicated, but hopefully I've done it and approached it the right way.
0: So let's take what you're saying and then just apply this to the to the everyday ordinary man, because that's what we're doing. When it comes to decision-making – It's about being a servant leader first and serving others that are around you and doing your best to not just regulate feelings or emotions or the game or what's going on, but how you can serve individuals in that situation best, but not letting your own feelings or emotions get in the way of making decisions or calls that you need to make.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I kind of look at it two ways, and one is on the people side. It's the coaches and it's the players that I'm working with and and having that humble heart and and uh, trying to officiate with humility but be confident at the same time and and hopefully uh, uh, show a little bit of command on the field as well. But when it's decision-making regarding is that a holding or is that roughing the passer – there's probably not a whole lot of, of servant's heart involved with that. It's just trying to evaluate, you know, what I feel is a foul and has it met the level of that. But so much of what I do as an official is people-based. It's, it's, as yeah. I mentioned numerous times already, it's the coaches, it's the assistant coaches, it's the players, especially the quarterbacks that referees deal with a lot. And, and I do try and approach those conversations um, with humility uh, hopefully to be a good listener. I think that's huge. Even with what I do on the field as emotions can run high and, and, and that's a goal. I mean, that's a, that's a goal that I have that I set for myself and I share with my crew every year is hopefully I'm somebody, uh, that communicates and presents themselves in a way that coaches and players want to have on the field.
0: Yeah. So let's relate this then to again, you know, me or, the guy down the street here when yeah. they're making a decision. And I've often found in my own life that I it's hard to make critical decisions in important moments. So how do you evaluate a situation to make the best decision possible?
1: That's a great question. I think one of the the greatest pieces of advice I ever received was, was actually uh, at my wedding. And so the pastor was, was challenging my wife and I. And, and But it's so true, and I've used it from that day on, so almost 25 years now. And it's, as you're trying to mature, learn to make decisions based on commitment, not emotion. And so you can take that and apply it, wow, in so many things and relationships and in how you communicate with the guy down the street that you mentioned, how you communicate with people you work with, how I communicate with my wife and my children. And so, you know, trying to let the commitment to whatever that that situation is guide it versus the emotion of the moment, such as a football game or maybe it's a conversation at home where I get escalated and emotional and I rise to a level that I'm not proud of or happy with, I try to let the commitment guide me in everything that I'm doing and then apply that, whether that's football field or at home with my wife and children, uh, personal relationships, whatever it is. And so it's great advice. I'd love to tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm hundred percent accurate on that, but we all know that's not true, but it has really motivated me um, and challenged me, and really kind of been a, a, a genesis of how I've tried to approach things. It's just make big decisions on commitment.
0: Yeah. So, when it comes, I guess, to, to decision making, something that I think is important is having a standard and criteria of what you make decisions by and mm-hmm. something that happens in the NFL the rules are very fluid so one year you know what <laughs> roughing the passer is and one year you don't um or or a receiver what's what's being you know pass interference and what's not you know all these things are up for debate because there's such a fluidity of of change in in what is and is not in the process of decision making so in terms of our own life how do we both figure out a standard to make decisions by, but also how to implement fluidity uh, on a per scenario basis.
1: I think you should write a book. I mean, that's that's really good. I mean, and challenging. It's, it's I, I think with what I do in all the areas of life where I, whether it's here at Jinx Public Schools or on the football field or at home, there's got to be some fluidity, right? I, I think even my dad, who was a United States Marine who, who raised me, had a little bit of fluidity. He may not admit that, but, but he did, and he was really, really good at it. So having that flexibility as a leader, I think, is is important. But for me, that flexibility comes with the relational side. It may, you know, I may have a goal that I'm trying to achieve or we're trying to achieve a certain standard now. How I lead and communicate with fluidity and flexibility is one thing, but the end result or the standard is still there. Uh, That's not as fluid. That's not as, uh, uh, doesn't waver quite as much. And so uh, I think when we're dealing with people, there's got to be some fluidity. You know, we all need grace. We all have different personalities. We all do things differently. Um, and I've got to just like with the crew that I work with, uh the, the other eight that are on on our football crew, everybody's got a different personality. Everybody handles what I say differently or how I'm teaching or how they're teaching. Um so that fluidity is huge. I think the secret that that I try to achieve or what I'm trying to do is incorporate fluidity without wavering on the standard of result we're trying to get.
0: Yeah. So something in the NFL that you guys have is. Uh, booth review, where you are able to review uh, a situation that just happened and then from multiple angles Mm -hmm. and then be able to make a decision. In life, we necessarily don't have all those cameras or angles to evaluate a scenario in our life when we're trying to make a decision by, but what are some steps and principles that you've used in moments like that that have transferred over into your personal life to help make decisions.
1: That's really good. You're, you're right. I think with football, obviously we get to kind of do it in the current time, right? Like there's a play that somebody wants to challenge or look at and, and we can go and we can look at it. And it may be one Sunday, like a a regional game may have eight cameras for us to look at. And on a Monday night game, that may be 35 cameras. And and so there's all sorts of different looks and and lenses, if you will, to help guide us. And I think that's, the advantage we have on a football field in life, I feel there's there's a couple things we can look at. And number one, experience is huge. Right. But typically with experience, you have to go through something and probably make a mistake or a poor decision to help guide you the next time that situation comes. And I think that's huge. I mean, somebody I, I think it was Coach Wooden said experience is the toughest teacher because you typically get the test first and then learn the lesson. And I find that to be true uh, in some of my own decisions that probably I've regretted or or, or wished I would have handled differently. But I also think I can relate friends and people and and maybe teachings, whether it's scripture or or authors I like to read. Maybe treat them as kind of those cameras that are helping me help guide a decision on the football field. You know, I can go back and think of uh, like I said a situation I handled poorly and I want to help it guide me, uh, or excuse me, allow it to, to help me. Uh, I go to people wiser than me, you know, who've been through it, who maybe have more scars than I do, as they've dealt with more life. And I pull from them as kind of one of those cameras. My spouse, obviously, my wife of 25 years, and even my children, I can pull from them. So, you know, in a football field, it's the, it's the real camera, right? It's the true camera that's helped guiding us. And I think in life, it's it's people, it's books, it's It's songs, it's music, you know, wherever you're getting that from. And so I think can help guide us. And so for me, it's just being humble enough to pull from all those different sources and allow them to help guide me.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to use two men in the NFL as an example. Um, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, I would say out of the last 20 years, I can Pretty say Those two specific guys are really great leaders in tough situations, especially from behind. I mean, what Patrick and Tom has done in their career thus far for Patrick is that regardless of the situation for the Chiefs, you can't ever count them out. And that was the same way with Tom Brady when he was playing. When you're on the field and and you're around these personalities, whether it be them specifically or other individuals, and and you see this trait, what are the traits and the characteristics within those types of individuals? Again, it doesn't have to be those two, but just characteristic Mm -hmm. traits that, that you have found from elite athletes that we can apply in our everyday life to help us not... Get in a slump and regardless if where we're at in life that it's not over until mm-hmm. the the clock hits zero and that there's always room to come back
1: oh that's great you know and i can't talk specifically about those two players i mean but just as a general as you mentioned just regarding uh, the athletes that i get to watch or even watch on tv or athletes that i have coached even that have gone on and and I learned from all of them, right? You can, it's fun to sit there as a fan and, and whether it's a basketball game or football game and see people who show so much resolve when 80% of America's counting them out or, man, this hole is just too deep. And so, you know, I think Will Rogers once said, when you find yourself in a hole, you know, stop digging, right? <laughs> like we've got to make some decisions that, that say, I'm done digging myself a deeper hole. And I think the great athletes... Do that, right? It's like they they say enough's enough, whatever that is for them. And how do we make one play right? And then how do we make the next play right? How do I make this read or that read? And so, I think the ability to to show that resolve, and I know grit's a big word in society right now, and and rightfully so, but their grit is huge. um They're never out of it, and they're going to do whatever it takes. And maybe that means. You know, making a play they typically wouldn't make. I can think of a quarterback who typically might slide at the end of a play to avoid a hit, and in certain situations they may lower their shoulder and lower their head because it's that important for that drive or that important to keep hope alive. That instead of sliding to avoid, they're lowering that shoulder because the first down is that important and how it gets his teammates to rally around him. And so, you know, that grit and that toughness is huge, but. I also think the ability to watch on a football field those that that are gifted in everybody that's around him says we're never out as long as he's in and you can pick the he whether that he is Michael Jordan or that he is LeBron James or that he is you know Coach K when he was coaching at Duke whatever the case may be they have that oomph about him and they have that aura about him that says you know as long as I'm breathing and we're out here we're fighting. Right. We're, we're, there's hope and we're going to get there. And so they have that gift that people want to uh, go to battle for and, you know, not privy to what happens during the week at practices and in meetings and in a film room. But, you know, seeing it live on the field or, or watching it on TV, there are guys that people just want to be around that they give them not only belief that we're going to achieve it, but. These, these gifted athletes also make those individuals around them feel good about themselves that they're going to get to a different level. So it's really, really neat to see from that lens.
0: So how do I become that guy that develops the grit that you were talking about, as well as, uh, that aspect of, of leadership or that it factor in any Mm -hmm. given scenario? What, what are the things that I would need to develop in order to, to do those?
1: You know, I think honestly, I think security in yourself is huge. Um, I can tell you when I became a head coach at like 27 years old, I didn't want to go back and watch film because I was probably insecure on decisions that I had made that maybe had led us down the wrong path or led to a loss or something. And and through years of, of gaining confidence and becoming more secure in myself, it's being able to self-evaluate and say, what did I do wrong here? You know, how should I have handled you know, Johnny better or Evan better or whatever the case may be. But I think that comes from going through situations and learning and you've got to be willing to take the feedback and not everybody enjoys that, right? Nobody likes to hear, man, that was, you know, we don't agree with your call as an official or as a coach, why did you do this or that? And nobody likes to hear that whatever decision you made didn't help win the game or didn't help call the game but man, that's how we grow. I think that's how most of us are wired. I I know for me, I learned better, you know, through, unfortunately, through a setback. Um, I wish I was further along my journey that I'm still so forward thinking, even when times are good, it's like, okay, what are our areas of weakness? What are we doing to get better? You know, I worked with a man at at Jinx here for many years named Alan Trimble, a very successful football coach who we lost recently. Um, he was so good at that. I mean, there's a guy that developed a dynasty here and it was still being secure in his own ability to say, okay, no, we got to get better. Let's talk. What do we got to do? And, and so for me, I think that helps. It's that resolve uh, to learn, that resolve, that hunger to want to get better, that hunger for continuous improvement and the security and strength to listen to those who may who are not just going to be yes men or women. They're going to tell you or ask you, why did we do this in this situation? You have to work through that. And to me, that helps reinforce why you did it or you go, oh, man, gosh, I hadn't looked at it from that lens. We're in this situation again. We need to call this player that place. So, you know, I think, again, that humility word comes back and it's being humble enough to, to listen to those who've been through it or listen to those. Leave your ego at the door, you know, as the Navy SEALs say in their after action reviews, you know, we're going to leave our rank and ego at the door. When we debrief this this uh, activity, we got to be willing to talk, and I think we could all use a little bit of dose of that, and we can all learn from it.
0: Yeah, you know, you brought up uh, Coach Trimble. For those of you who don't know who he is, he's a local football coach who passed away from ALS, and he was wanting. I think he was the winningness coach in all of Oklahoma football, pretty much. Um, yes, sir. Golly, how many state championships does that guy have? Like 14, 15? I don't
1: know. Maybe 13 out of his 22 years. Just off the top of my head. Something like that.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. I got to know Coach Trimble after his diagnosis with ALS towards the end of his life. And something that you said earlier about servant leadership, even till his last days, he was serving other people. It was just who he was. He wasn't. Yeah. He, when he couldn't coach anymore and he knew probably had less than a year left, he did a local public speaking tour to motivate and encourage (laughs) other people. And he is a perfect example. So I appreciate you bringing him up because when I think about him, it, he is a good definition of servant leader to others. Of grit, because instead of just like, you know what, I'm going to set home and wither away and die. He made his life about other people still at the very end. And even when oh. it was hard to breathe and oh, he needed oxygen, he still went out yeah. to serve others. And as you, as you're talking about servant leadership and making good decisions, if I could kind of sum it up thus far of where we're at is that good leaders have the ability to be extremely gritty where they never fill out and that they're always looking to serve others and that they have a specific standard of excellence that they're always working towards, but there's a level of fluidity of how they're going to get there. Their standard doesn't change, but their practice of of maybe getting there one way one time and a different way another might be fluid. And that as us as individuals in our own lives that we can learn from books and other people since we don't have all the different camera angles about how to apply critical thinking and decision-making within our own lives. So if I summed it uh, up thus far what, what you're saying pretty accurately.
1: I, I think, yeah, I would echo that. I mean, it's it's kind of how I've approached my roles and the leadership opportunities that I've been fortunate enough to be a part of and and um, you know, not to I could probably talk about trim forever. One of the things that stood out to me so magnificently was we were having a, it was just a private conversation. He said, you know, here it is. he said, Everything I've challenged with my football players to do for 25 years about toughness and grit and never being out, I've just got to live it now and I thought, my gosh, here you know what what greater testimony uh, but which goes to what you just said and and uh, how you how you recap that but uh, I think exactly what you said is how I try to do it. I'm probably not consistent. I think there's probably areas where I need to strive for more consistency, but those, principles, if you will, or those nuggets are are definitely some guiding, guiding forces. Yes.
0: So through this all process, I mean, I know you well enough to know one of your standards in life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how does that flow into all other areas of decision-making, of character, of integrity, of how you treat others? What's, what's that do for you? in your overall life?
1: Well, it gives me a peace that a non-believer doesn't have, right? It gives me a peace and a hope that somebody that doesn't know the Lord doesn't, just can't understand. And, and it's easy for me to try and explain it, but sometimes difficult for my friends that don't know the Lord. It's just like, man, okay, yeah, right, you know. Um, but what greater example when we talk about servant leadership than the Son of Man worship? Washing the feet of his disciples, right? I mean, we, we can read about that and and so And of the one who he
0: knew was gonna betray him.
1: Betray him, absolutely. Um, and who was going to deny him, right? Peter and and also I mean there's so many examples, but um it's just a guiding force with servanthood and humility. Um it's how do I you know, metaphorically wash the feet of my wife and my kids and and the football crew that I serve as their crew chief or their referee. How do I uh, serve them, make them better? How do I keep, like Philippians 2 says, how do I keep their interest just as important as my own, if not more, right? Don't want to be selfish and think it says do nothing out of vain conceit, but in humility, consider others greater than yourself. That's Philippians 2, 2 through 5. And so how do I take that approach to these, these opportunities that I've been so fortunate enough to to be blessed with? Um, and so it's, it's you know, not everybody that I work with in schools in a football have the same belief system as me. I get that. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a blessing to me to try and be the salt in the light or to try and, and let his light shine through me. And you know, I, I, again, it's it's an area where I strive for greater consistency each and every day as I try and take up my cross. But I hope that whenever my time comes, the, the question won't be, why didn't you do more with what the opportunities you had? And, and that, you know, so that's kind of a, you know, kind of a scary question, a humbling question. But but that's kind of the again, it's kind of what drives me to incorporate faith and in other aspects of life.
0: Hey, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Are there any parting words that uh, you want to share with us before you go?
1: Golly, man, I, you probably need that from somebody wiser than me, but it's 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 so sports clicheous. But I think in our society nowadays, and and with what we're where we're at, it appears as as a culture and as a society. You hear coaches say all the time, play the next play. And I think I've tried to apply that in everything I do as a husband, as a father, as a ref. It's like, okay, there's going to be screw-ups and mess-ups. How do I get the next one right? What am I looking – how do I get better and how do I get the next one right? And for me, that's an incorporation of, of faith and scripture and, and learning from those who are way better than I am in their relationship with Jesus and, and as football officials. So just got to play the next play and, and, and trust.
0: Yeah. Final question, man. Uh, When are you going to get the NFL script to ref the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's
1: a great question. You know, I, I just got to keep playing the next play. Right. Trying to trying to put my I, I think I'd be lying if I didn't say it's somewhere back in here. It's not a goal. You know, nobody asks me how many playoff games have you worked? It's how many Super Bowls? When are you going to get one? And so right. I think as an official, it's, 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 it's a goal. Um, the reality is you may never get one. You know, there's 115 of us, 117 of us. And so and 17 men at my position. And so there's a lot of talented officials and maybe one day I'll, I'll have that opportunity, but uh, I've got to just keep driving to get better, man.
0: Yeah. You know, I love how I worded that because it I, I felt like I caught you caught slightly off guard, which is what I was wanting to do. Um yeah. but just just for my own personal question, what do you tell people when they ask you if it's scripted? Because to like to <laughs> script that all that would be just like to have so many people on the hush hush, like it just it's not possible. <laughs> yeah. But but what what do you tell people when they ask?
1: I it's hard for me not to laugh and and honestly be like are are you are you serious like the 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 men and women involved with both organizations that are there that have worked so tirelessly to get there and I, it's just it's asinine to me and so I try not to be offensive and giggle and laugh but it's like come on man this is competitive sports with with grown grown ups and uh, I I just tell them I don't believe that for a second so
0: yeah well clay thanks so much for coming on to the show today and uh, i hope you have a great rest of your day and an upcoming um season which starts what next month for you
1: yeah we start getting after it again officially in the middle of may i've been working now for about a month just getting back into rules and video but uh our, our season essentially starts may 15 and uh looking forward to that but Thank you for the opportunity to be here and and guiding me through some great discussion, and, and I appreciate it.
0: You bet. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Sounds good. Thank you.